Welcome back, Oscar fans. It's Jake. Hope everybody is staying safe and is at home. I wanted to do a quick intro to this episode because I recorded this a couple weeks ago when coronavirus was starting to be in the news, but obviously it's gotten really serious and scary. And this tone of this episode doesn't really reflect that at all. Um, This is kind of a lighthearted conversation about the James Bond theme songs, and it's a great conversation and I'm excited to share it with you, but I don't want it to come off as being dismissive of kind of everything that's going on right now hopefully you enjoy kind of the escapism of you know thinking about movies and obviously we don't get james bond for a little while but i'm going to share this episode now i do hope you like it i'm going to go back to recording once a week there's a lot of news that's happening quickly and i'm certainly not like a resource on the pandemic that's happening right now but there's a lot of entertainment news and um, i'm home anyway so i have a little bit more time to record than maybe i thought i would so with that, keep keep listening to this feed uh, once a week. And now I hope you enjoy my conversation with Joseph Darlington of Being James Bond on the best original song category and James Bond theme songs. Bond. James Bond. Welcome back, Oscar fans. It is not yet time to die, but we are going to move forward with our James Bond theme song episode, talking about the best original song category. I had had this all planned out, and rather than pivot to talk about Trolls World Tour, um, I was so excited about this that I just wanted to move forward, even though obviously now the latest James Bond movie has been pushed back to November. But I am very excited to be joined today by the head of section. He is the author of being James Bond, one of the original podcasters and one of the leading voices of the James Bond community, Joseph Darlington. Thank you so much for taking the time. Jake, thank you so much for having me. This is a lot of fun. And I, I could use a distraction from the uh, the rotten news of last week, so thank you. Yeah, we really have to hold ourselves over now for another six months. At least the theme song's out. I guess the place to start in, in, in a conversation about Bond theme songs is with the latest James Bond theme song, what do you think of Billie Eilish and, and No Time to Die? You know, it's funny. I It didn't grab me at first. In fact, I, I don't know if it still has, frankly, but I, I heard it and I was like, all right, well, I guess this is more of a Billie Eilish song than a James Bond song. Uh, in fact, I kind of felt like, I, I you know, when you hear the song and you hear little samplings of little, little um, kind of echoes of other Bond themes or whatever. But then after after it was out for a little bit, and even though I hadn't listened to it too many times, I found it it was stuck in my head. 
And I was kind of whistling and humming it, and it was just kind of going around in my head. So uh, I guess it's doing what it was supposed to do. It's supposed to sort of get your attention. I guess it kind of got mine. It definitely stands alone, but it also reminds me a bit of the last couple. Right, yeah. It seems like they've taken sort of this general serious somber direction toward James Bond, and, and that seems to reflect in this uh, in this theme song. Obviously, mm. we're not going to see the movie for a while, but I guess hearing this, knowing what you know, kind of what are your expectations for, for No Time to Die? Well, you're absolutely right that it does seem like a progression, doesn't it? I mean, you had the Adele song, which I really did like. Uh, then you had the Sam Smith, which was, you know, more sad and more maudlin, etc. And I was like, yeah, okay. And then this one, wow, just took it a step further. And, you know, I guess uh, the funny part is that I, I've also sort of had, you know, kind of back and forth feelings about, like, after after Skyfall, I remember feeling like, I mean, you had that sort of scene in M's office. And, you know, it was that kind of that, that classic M's office from, you know, the early films. And it kind of made you feel like, in a way, after Skyfall, maybe we'd seen the end of a kind of a three-part trilogy. You know, and I thought that was interesting, like a three, like a th sort of a three-part origin story, and it was sort of leading us into okay, now we got James Bond, and they ended up with the uh, the gun barrel again at the end. So, I think by the time Spectre came along, I was kind of ready. I'm like, okay, we're gonna get a classic standalone mission, and sure enough, that's not not at all what it was. And I kind of felt like, okay, I guess we're having a four-part origin story. So I think by the time No Time to Die was coming around, I was really aching for something that was a little less, you know, uh, pathos and childhood trauma and, you know, something that's a little more standalone, a little more fun. And then I think as it started to progress and we started to see what was coming out, I, I did say to myself, well, I guess, especially if this is Craig's last film, I guess you can't really end off with a standalone mission now like i mean you're, you're going to end off now with something that feels totally disconnected from the rest so when i was getting the feeling that they were going to sort of close this craig arc i was i was a little more okay i i guess that does make a little more sense so yeah so i suppose in that respect uh that is kind of what this uh the theme song is kind of indicating that the film will be the end of a uh, a five-part story arc uh, with Daniel Craig's James Bond. Kind of makes me scratch my head wondering what they're going to do after this, but I guess that's a different question. But uh, So, yeah, I, I think I'm, you know, <laughs> I'd be a little more ready for it in three weeks as opposed to uh, seven months. But, uh, yeah, I think I'm ready for whatever this film is going to be. Yeah, I'm, I'm never not going to be excited for a James Bond film. I do wonder with kind of these serious, this more somber direction that they've taken, the movies themselves are, are good, although I struggled a little bit with the convenience of just all of a sudden Blofeld was responsible for everything somehow. I, I still haven't totally figured that, <laughs> that out. Yeah. Um, but the movies themselves, I think, have a lot of good things to them. I do wonder, though, like when it comes to the next generation of Bond, like I grew up on Bond because my dad loved Bond and he obviously mm. he he grew up watching Connery and Roger Moore. And then, you know, when I was growing up, you had Goldeneye on N64. And I do wonder, like for the next generation, even if you like these movies, is there going to be any passion or nostalgia for like a 
brooding alcoholic who's angry and sad <laughs> all the time. Like, I feel like there's there's sort of this like adventure piece that maybe is falling out the more serious these movies get. I don't know what you mm. think about that. Uh, yeah. Listen, you're 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 pretty much on the money. Uh, I I do feel like the the James Bond films that we grew up on was escapism. You know, it was it was pure escapism. I, I don't want to get myself in trouble by saying this, but it was frankly male escapism. I mean, these movies were, you know, kind of comic books for for grown men. Frankly, you know, we were allowed to just escape into this exotic world for a little while. I I don't know quite what it is. They're looking more for prestige than anything else with these films, and they want they want Oscars for for the films. And I'm kind of scratching my head saying, look, I, I, I think you're kind of in the wrong business if you're trying to make Oscar winning dramatic fare. And ironically, I, I thought, you know, Casino Royale for me is frankly, not only is it the perfect James Bond film, but I, I find it to be just a, a magnificent film in general. I feel like if, if, if that wasn't James Bond and that was the first I'd ever seen of this character, I would have been an instant James Bond fan just based on that film alone. You know, and then so and and it was funny, and I I always joke about how after I saw it, I I told myself, this is great. I'm never ever gonna get a bad James Bond movie ever again because they know now how to do it. They they know how to hit every chord just right. They know what we want. Uh, yet still, it seems like after that they just kind of were struggling to to keep that magic that they seem to have. I guess you can't put lightning in a bottle twice, but they just could not get back to that same level of, I mean, it was the perfect balance of realism uh, versus fantasy. I mean, you know, it's, it's, I mean, for, uh, for a franchise that we, again, it's kind of a male fantasy uh, escapist, uh, you know, entertainment. Somehow I always marvel that Casino Royale seemed to have just its, its finger on the pulse of realism to sort of keep us, you know, involved. I mean, you know, we had, CGI surfing in Dino the Day and just over the top silliness and and the the dialogue is nothing but a series of quips and then you get Casino Royale which was back to reality the dialogue was enticing yet so, yeah yet somehow they keep kind of losing their way since then and I'm and I'm yeah yeah I mean I, I guess it's uh, it's very easy to armchair quarterback and say how are you guys getting this wrong I mean I mean I couldn't make a James Bond movie but um, yeah, so it, it is a little, a little frustrating sometimes. There was obviously kind of a flurry of discussion when there was an announcement about Lashana Lynch taking on a double O role and this possibility that she could be a James Bond, the next James Bond. Mm. There was a lot of discussion about James Bond and gender and maybe, you know, some people in 2020 could look at James Bond franchise and say like, is there still a place for James Bond in in the Me Too world. In being James Bond, I feel like a lot of what you focus on in your book is how James Bond is a master of his passions, that he's is good at everything, that he kind of pursues his interests. And that's not something that really ever ages out that is offensive to anybody in particular. And so it's interesting that kind of as they move mm. forward with these movies, they seem to be moving away from that adventuring and, and that more kind of timelessly universal element of James Bond and more toward this dark, brooding, potentially problematic, like sociopathic tendencies mm. that the character yeah. has. 
you know, we don't have a lot of fun lately in society. You know, everybody's real serious and, and you know, nothing is, you know, we, we can't poke fun at each other anymore. Or everyone's getting upset about this, and that, and the other thing. Uh, and and it, ironically, I think the James Bond films have always had strong female characters. But again, I, I don't really understand why we sort of feel this need uh, for, for James Bond to be a well-behaved character. Uh, I look at all the movies that came out this year, The Irishman, Joker, Knives Out, even Parasite that won Best Picture. These are not films about people who behave themselves. These are not, you know, films about characters who are role models for people. I mean, they're all about flawed characters who get themselves into trouble because they don't behave perfectly. So I'm not really following the logic about, you know, trying to make James Bond, who is an assassin for crying out loud, why we have to make him Captain America. I mean, he's not Captain America. He's not Superman. He's James Bond. So I expect my main character in a James Bond film to behave badly. And it seems to be okay in other genres, but for some reason here, they're not comfortable with it. So, um, yeah, not, not really sure if that's the right way to go, but I guess we'll sort of see how that goes. Yeah, and it seems like they certainly are on this path now, and, and as the last Craig film, it seems like they'll wrap it up on the same tone. The theme song definitely seems to indicate that, and, you know, that's where I'll go back to now. Obviously, this is an Oscar show first and foremost, and in the history of James Bond, there's been more Oscars not for song than for song, it, primarily in uh, technical categories and craft categories. So mm. all the way back, uh, Goldfinger won Best Sound Effects, Thunderball won Best Visual Effects with all the underwater scenes, Diamonds Are Forever won Best Sound Effects, and then you had a little bit of a jump. You had The Spy Who Loved Me had Art Direction and Original Score, and then Way Forward to Skyfall kind of tilted the balance because it won four. Mm. As far as the songs go, there's not a lot of history of the Broccoli films, which, uh, you know, f sort of the official films of the series. There's been a couple films that are a little bit outside of, of kind of the main releases. The Look of Love by Burt Bacharach was actually nominated for Best Song in 1967 from Casino Royale. But of, of the Broccoli films, Live and Let Die was nominated. Paul McCartney uh, did the theme song there. Spy Who Loved Me was nominated. Um, that was a theme song from Carly Simon. Sheena Easton was nominated uh, for the theme song for Free Eyes Only. And then it jumped all the way ahead to Skyfall. That one, Spectre won, and now we have Billie Eilish. To me, I think that this is a pretty heavy favorite for a nomination. Mm. I, I do think if the, uh, the change in release day does anything positive for the film, it is exactly that. I think that now the film, because I mean, again, it's interesting because the film, because they changed the date so far ahead, uh, they're really going to have an uphill battle to try to 
ignite people's excitement for this film again. Uh, they did most of their promotional, uh, you know, advertising. That we saw uh, a series of trailers. We got posters. We have interviews, uh, and we had the Billie Eilish song. Uh, now, one of the, honestly, one of the, even though I was a little mixed on it myself, I was wholeheartedly excited by the idea that the younger generation kind of perked up its ears and said, "Wait, Billie Eilish did the the song for who?" So that was really good because we are we're we're very much struggling with bringing in younger fans. I mean, they don't do video games anymore, so so that was a big plus. So I think at the very least, yes, the fact that they moved it forward, uh, it'll be a lot fresher in people's minds come Oscar season. With that said, I I kind of wonder how it's gonna fare because, well, first of all, I mean I think the odds are reasonably good because you don't get a lot. I kind of feel like way back in the day the category of uh film theme songs was pretty big now it's i don't i and you know this better than i do so i'll let you be the the expert on this but i i, I get the feeling that there aren't as many theme songs up for an oscar usually these days yeah i think that's true i think the kind of variable dynamic this year is there's a really inordinate number of musicals planned mm. and a lot of times when they make these musicals like even you know steven spielberg's remaking west side story that's obviously an old musical it has all existing songs that wouldn't be eligible but i feel like they usually write one new song just to try to get in this category right. kind of like yeah. elton john this past year with with rocket man mm. yeah good point yeah, so I think it is. I think it is a pretty good. The odds are fairly good that it should. I mean, it'll, it'll at least get nominated. I don't know if they can really pull it off where they get a third one in a row to win the uh, the Oscar. Because I mean, to me, I kind of feel like, first of all, it's still way too early to call, obviously, and I don't know. Is it is it the kind of song that I mean, Skyfall to me is a big. Like it fills the room. It's a pretty big epic sounding song. And I, I, I feel like that's a natural for an Oscar. as much but still okay this one i don't know i'm I, I would be very curious to see how it does because it's so i mean it's it is such a quiet i mean i feel like billy eilish when you hear her sing if you didn't know she was 18 i think you'd be pretty surprised like like she does have a voice and a range that sort of goes well beyond her years but again, the song itself, it doesn't really reach epic proportions. In fact, there's sort of a, like about two thirds in, there's a part where the music builds a little bit and you sort of feel the little, the buildup happening and you're kind of waiting for it to kind of hit the next level. And then it really doesn't. It just sort of comes back down again before it really gets anywhere. So yeah, yeah like I said, I'm, I'm curious to see how it, how it does, but I'm, if, if you ask me to take, take a, take a bet, I, yeah, I don't know if I'd bet on it. Yes, just yet. Yeah, I think that's right. I I feel like it's a good favorite to be nominated, just because I think the Academy 
likes her. I mean, she did the in memoriam this past year, and she seems like somebody who like can be cool and relevant, but also safe, and they can feel comfortable with her. Mm. Uh, but I think that I agree that the song itself, I don't think it measures up to Skyfall personally. Skyfall is one of those songs that is just so epic. I mean, it's it's one of those where if you know you're only gonna get a James Bond song, if you're only gonna get a James Bond movie every few years, that's the song to put with it. You know, like it's it's a uh, it's it's an event. Yeah, this one not as much. And in fact, I almost feel like it's um, it's almost like one of like if you bought an album, this would be like the first song on the album, and the second song would be like the hit that they play on the radio. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it seemed like, um, I think, probably starting at Gladys Knight, just like brazenly ripping off Goldfinger (laughs) um, with the License to Kill theme, it sort of kicked off like this era of, I don't don't know if tribute is the right word, but like kind of derivative type of songs. And then I think Skyfall was different. Like it, it... fits within the family it definitely has those kind of minor chord progressions but it was its own song and then i feel like the last three songs or the last two have just been derivative of skyfall yes yes no i, I agree with that wholeheartedly i i think um i think if there was something about the billy eilish song that disappointed me was this you know it's funny like you know us old timers we sort of sometimes get a little flack and people will say you know when, when you hear a new you know the new pop singers doing the new song You'll hear like a little grumbling. Oh, I think Shirley Bassey should have came back and done another one. And everyone's like, no, come on. We, we, you know, we're not, we don't want to go back to the sixties for whatever. But you know, in the, in the early days of James Bond, you had a very distinct Bond sound, you know, and I think Shirley Bassey's Goldfinger um, is probably the, the gold standard pun not intended. the 70s 80s you you would tend to get you know current musicians bands singers who would have their own distinct style and they would try to incorporate the bond style with their own and the the end product tended to be you know it would be sort of a combination of their own sound plus a little james bond twang to it and um yeah, and I kind of felt like the Billie Eilish song, it just sounded like a Billie Eilish song. And again, with those little echoes of, of uh, like Bond sampling in the background, and yeah, not not quite the same, you know? So yeah, I know what you're saying, that a lot of those songs, especially like in the 90s, got very tribute-y. Um, Tina Turner's GoldenEye is spectacular, but it's a spectacular tribute to... Shirley Bates. Uh, and the ones that followed, kindness 
not too dissimilar. It's hard to exactly put, and I'm not like, obviously I have no understanding of like music theory or whatever, but like, it seems like there's some like switching between major and minor chords that's defining for a James Bond theme song. Horns always help. Is there anything else? Like, how would you put your finger on like mm. what makes a great Bond theme song? Oh boy, that's a tough one. You know, I, that. I, I think that there's sometimes when I just have to confess, I, I, I love music, but I don't understand it. And sometimes I hear music and I just marvel at it. And I, I marvel at what people are able to do uh, with sound. You know, I mean, they're able to come up with these things that are just really amazing. But I mean, as an example, I mean, like Duran Duran, when they did A View to a Kill, Boy, I don't know what that is, but that kind of that those those beats at the beginning when it kicks in and those it's it's almost like, you know, this is Duran Duran doing an action movie as a song. I mean, ah, the Living Daylights to me is a great one, and, and, and like I don't know if a lot of people like it as much as I do, but boy, there is just something about that one that kind of tells me this is an espionage film. that that film reminds me of autumn for some reason again i can't put my finger on what that is or why but uh yeah it really does and it just again it just has that bond feel and i almost feel like after that like you said uh, license to kill golden eye and beyond they they get a little um you know like you said a little tribute i think is a great word for it they're again they're kind of in awe of history instead of making history yeah and it's um yeah in that respect it can be a little disappointing. I, I will say this: the Madonna song "Dying of the Day," I'm not a big fan of it, but I do think it's at least it's the more um, it, it takes more chances. I think, and it it kind of was sort of doing its own thing, and it kind of gets that Bond feel a little bit somehow. But um, you know, mixed results. But I give her I give her credit for trying something different. Yeah, the movie was was certainly doing its own thing. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah too, too many risks there they shouldn't have taken probably i mean i could go on and on about about james bond forever but i do want to make sure to to get your thoughts on just you know you kind of hit on some of the some of the music of the 80s if there were if there were three oscars that you could give out for bond themes that haven't won let's say i mean we've talked about skyfall but but before that where where are you giving them Oh wow, that's a great one. Uh, are we talking purely theme songs? I it, it gets really tricky, right? Like with like uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service or Doctor No. That there you go, right? Yeah, yeah. I, man, I, yeah. It's I guess it's a little blurry, but but sure. I mean, I, I think the title track 
is in bounds whether there are lyrics mm-hmm. or not? Uh, well, I tell you what, I, I will. Why don't Why don't I just sort of put that one as a little asterisk in the column and say, uh, I think that one is absolutely worthy of an Oscar. I think it's, a, a, it's an amazing uh, score, and John Barry, I mean, he's unparalleled in uh, what he does. He scores. Um, but as far as songs go, um, I, I, I tell you what, I'll keep, I'll stay, stick with the same movie. Uh, I think Louis Armstrong's We Have All the Time in the World. We have all the time in the world. Time enough for life to unfold all the precious things. Ah, now that, that is a song that I feel like, but this, I mean, this is going to be a really, really weird way to put this. It, it's almost like holiday songs, Christmas songs, like they sort of take on a life of their own. They're not just songs anymore. They're now tradition. They're sort of part of our culture. And I sort of feel like that song by Louis Armstrong has that same ability where it really it's that is a song that really should have just been ingrained in our culture and became kind of a, almost it should have been like side by side with What a Wonderful World. You know, I mean, just what a great, amazing song. But I also think, you know, some of my personal favorites, um, like I said, I think of you to a kill Duran Duran oddly and it's funny how it's on one hand uh, a product of its time. It it does speak to you as an '80s era song. Yet somehow it kind of stood the test of time. And I feel like I really enjoy that one today as much as I did when it came out. Uh, not a lot of songs can do that. And maybe for third place, um, I think Carly Simon's "Nobody Does It Better." back and I kind of marvel at, at um, music and how music is made because boy does that one just kind of operate on a whole different level you know there, there are there's there's sounds in there that I if you ask me how they do that I don't even know but and, and talk about a song that does you know I complain that the Billie Eilish song doesn't really kind of um, progress to anything it just sort of is what it is and stays that way Boy, that one, that Carly Simon, oh my God, does she hit heights, you know, as that song progresses. And it's 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 almost like a few songs rolled into one. You know, it's just, it, it really works on so many levels. And it's just, and, and again, it's it's probably not a coincidence that is the song is not a tribute to James Bond music, but a tribute to James Bond. You know, it's it's that song 
that speaks to what James Bond is, the phenomenon in this James Bond. And so it's, again, another one that has just sort of defined what James Bond is. Yeah, that that I think would be my number one, probably, other than, I guess, just acknowledging the importance historically of Goldfinger. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I think... I think it's a great list, and I guess we'll see. We'll have to wait a while now to see how it all plays out with with No Time to Die. But it's always fun to talk about Bond, even if we're we're just waiting for it. So I appreciate the time. I guess for anybody who um, is not familiar yet, do you want to just talk about quickly kind of what being James Bond is and, and kind of what its overarching aim is as through kind of your various properties? Yeah, um, and thank you for that. I, I it's uh, you know, being James Bond has sort of gone through incarnations. Uh, you know, I started the it's a started out as a podcast in uh, uh, late two thousand and six. It was literally just a few weeks before Casino Royale hit the theaters, and the podcast is still going strong. And I've kind of graduated to doing YouTube videos uh, in the last year or so. Uh, in the lead up to No Time to Die. Uh, my buddy Scott and I have been doing reviews of all the films, each one. Um, as of right now, Casino Royale should be out pretty soon, hopefully. I kind of, <laughs> if there's one silver lining to the movie getting postponed, is that uh, the rush that I was in to get all of them done <laughs> in time for the film, well, I guess now I can kind of relax a little bit and take my time. You can slow way down. Yeah, in fact, I mean, the, the, the day that I was literally at my desk editing the Casino Royale review when the news broke. And suddenly everything just got derailed and I was doing reaction videos and commentary, etc. So um, I've also been doing interviews uh, every week leading up to uh, the film, uh, which, again, in light of the postponement, maybe I'll keep doing. Uh, and I also have a book. It's called Being James Bond, Volume 1. And it kind of gets back to uh, what the what J Being James Bond was all about is... Uh, kind of learning the things that James Bond knows how to do. I was sort of always fascinated with the idea that James Bond is this guy who just can, can kind of do anything you put in front of him. And, you know, I've, I've kind of always sort of been a little skeptical. Like, do you think one man could actually learn all these things? And I said, well, let's find out. So I started doing a podcast about uh, all the different things Bond would know how to do. So um, there you go. So that's uh, that is being James Bond, and again, we'll keep on going strong up until uh, the uh, hopefully the eventual release of this film. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, doesn't get pushed out <laughs> any further than it already is. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just it's. I tell you, I mean, it's a crazy time right now, and you know, I, I think health and safety is obviously the most important thing we should be concerned about. But I'm. You know, ho hoping everything gets better quickly and we can kind of get back to enjoying a good movie here and there. Absolutely. Well, Joseph, really appreciate you coming on and, and talking James Bond and theme songs. Jake, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. I love, I love talking about the Bond music. So uh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. But you